Hello, it's a month since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We'll hear what impact it's had on the country's children and the global economy. In the show, we've also got news of a lean, green and wonderfully healthy farming initiative in Kenya that's offering former tobacco growers a much brighter and more prosperous future. Stay with us too as we find out about a super sustainable development goals book club for young readers. We'll be talking to six-year-old Leah Rolf from Amsterdam. He's got lots of interesting things to say. And we'll be hearing from regular guest Solange Berhategui-Cortez to wrap up the show. That's all coming up in this week's UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva with me, Daniel Johnson. First, the news. In Ukraine, more than half of the country's children have now been displaced since Russia invaded exactly a month ago. UN Children's Fund UNICEF said that 4.3 million children are on the move. This includes more than 1.8 million who've crossed into neighbouring countries as refugees and another 2.5 million who are now internally displaced inside Ukraine. UNICEF Executive Director Catherine Russell described the development as a grim milestone that could have lasting consequences for generations to come. And she warned that youngsters' safety, well-being and access to essential services were all under threat from non-stop horrific violence. The development followed renewed appeals to end the war, including from UN Chief Antonio Guterres, who said on Tuesday that it's time for a diplomatic solution to be found to end Russia's invasion of Ukraine and also end its unwinnable and indefensible war there. The war is going nowhere fast. For more than two weeks, Mariupol has been encircled by the Russian army and relentlessly bombed, shelled and attacked. For what? Even if Mariupol falls, Ukraine cannot be conquered city by city, street by street, house by house. The only outcome to all these is more suffering, more destruction and more horror as far as the eye can see. The global economy is on course for a potentially devastating 1% drop in projected growth this year, UN development economists UNCTAD said on Thursday. The UN body's latest forecast put global growth at 2.6%, down from the rosier 3.6% forecast made last September. And the main contributing factor is the Russian invasion of Ukraine, UNCTAD said. Rising inflation is making matters worse for developing countries already weighed down by a $1 trillion debt burden to pay back creditors, the UN body explained. And it insisted that too little financial help has been forthcoming to help them withstand exchange rate instability, rising interest rates and soaring food and fuel prices. Here's UNCTAD Secretary General Rebecca Greenspan. We are asking for the strengthening of the measures that will help developing countries to cope with this situation. It's very important to activate the immediate funding, the rapid funding instruments that the IMF has. In Kenya, a sustainable agriculture project has helped farmers move away from the harmful practice of growing tobacco in favour of a healthier crop with the help of the UN. The initiative, supported by the UN Food and Agriculture Organization and the World Health Organization in cooperation with the Kenyan authorities, aims to bring an end to the global tobacco epidemic. 
Kenya is the first country to participate in the scheme, which offers training to tobacco farmers so that they can switch to alternative crops that are easier to harvest, such as beans. Tobacco growing accounts for less than 1% of Kenya's economy, but its farmers and their families are exposed to serious health risks from the nicotine that's absorbed through the skin when handling wet tobacco leaves, exposure to heavy use of pesticides and to tobacco dust. Here's long-time tobacco grower Alice Acheng Obari. Right now, my kids have time for homework, but during tobacco farming, they did not have time. I would also like to tell tobacco farmers that they should come and see my chest x-ray from my doctor. My chest is full of smoke. I can't carry heavy stuff and I can't walk long distances. So far, growers have sold 135 tonnes of beans to the World Food Programme, bringing them significantly more income than they earned from tobacco farming. The headlines there, and now on to other news. And one of the most important jobs the United Nations has is to work closely with member states on achieving sustainable development by 2030. This involves finding solutions to ending poverty, making sure that there's enough food to go round, that people get the healthcare and education that they need, and that we take better care of the climate, among other urgent priorities. In all, there are 17 Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs for short, and to help boost awareness and support the initiative, there are SDG book clubs for young readers all over the world. I was lucky enough to meet one enthusiastic SGG Book Club member, Leo Rolf from Amsterdam. He's just six years old, but reading is already a huge part of his life, in an impressive two languages, as we'll find out. But first, let's hear from one of the founders of the SGG Book Club, Sherry Aldis, who's also the director of the UN Regional Information Centre in Western Europe. Well, the SDG Book Club or Sustainable Development Goal Book Club, we use a lot of acronyms here, was a wonderful idea and one of my favorite projects that we created at the United Nations. We created it in September 2018 and really with the idea of encouraging children ages 6 to 12 to read first and foremost. That contributes directly to one of our Sustainable Development Goals number four on quality education, but also to get them to learn about the values and the principles about the sustainable development goals in any of the official six UN languages. So we have it in Arabic, in Chinese, in English, and French, and Russian, and Spanish. So it's really important to be able to reach children in the languages that they speak, particularly as we are addressing this to children as young as six. And we created it in cooperation with several partners. So we came up with this idea together. So the International Publishers Association, the International Board of Books for Young People, the International Federation of Library Associations, the European International Booksellers Federation, and the Bologna Children's Book Fair. So really a wonderful group of book professionals, as I say, booksellers and librarians and publishers, and then our colleagues at the UN as well. And this coincides with the Bologna Book Fair from the 21st of March. The theme this year? The theme of the was always about children's books, obviously. The Bologna Book Fair is about children's books. And we're very excited to be launching a new part of the Children's Book Club with a partner called Simbi. We'll be doing some read-alongs at the um, and recording of children reading books at the Bologna Book Fair this year. How fantastic. Listen, just wait there, Sherry, because... On the line, we also have Leah Rolf, who is a six-year-old reader 
And I can see you, Leo, and thanks so much for joining us all the way from Amsterdam. You're speaking to us after a busy day at school, no doubt. So can you tell me about your favourite book? Um, Mr. Man books. I used to read those too. Do you have any other books that you like to read? The Big Book of Blue. The Big Book of Blue. What's that about? Um, sea animals. Sea animals. Okay. Maybe you could tell me what it is you like about reading. Learning about octopuses. And what do you like about octopuses? The squid ink. They've got squid ink. Yeah. Yeah, they use that as a weapon, don't they? And to run away. They're very impressive, aren't they? Have you ever seen one in real life? No. Maybe you'll see one at the seaside one day. Maybe one in Australia. <gasps> Maybe one day you'll see one in Australia. <sighs> so, how many books do you think you've read? A hundred. No, you've read 100 books, but you're only six years old. And maybe just one last question before I come back to you, Sherry. Do you think that one day you might write a book yourself? Yeah. Yeah? What would you write about? About dragons. Oh, that's a good one. What, the ones that breathe fire or the friendly ones? Um, breathe fire. Oh, so the scary ones. <laughs> You're smiling. <laughs> well, I would like to read that book very much. So, Sherry, we've got a young reader here whose love for books is really clear, and that's really wonderful because I have kids who are slightly older, and, you know, I used to like reading with them as well. Sadly, the mobile phone and the tablets and everything else takes over, and you're aiming at 6 to 12-year-olds, which is pretty much a great age to catch young readers. But isn't it a very ambitious project trying to get readers on board in the first place? Well, I have to say I'm quite optimistic about this. Um, having worked in the publishing industry for such a long time, we see that children are just so attracted to books, even today, even with the competition of screens and phones and all the other content that is out there. And actually, the numbers prove my point. Uh, this is maybe one of the positive outcomes of the pandemic is that 2020 was a historic year for sale of um, the sale of nonfiction children's books in particular, and it's just gone up since then. This year we're seeing huge um, growth in fiction, and what's very interesting to note is that it's topics that are really closely related to the sustainable development goals. Things where books where children can help develop skills that allow them to overcome challenges, topics like climate change or conservation or environment related themes, which is really encouraging for us to see, as well as books about friendship or being a good friend or kindness and values that we have. So I think it's really encouraging not just to see an increase in, in reading over the course of the pandemic, but on these themes that really are very important to the United Nations and also just to the global community. Back to you, Leo. Is it right that you can read and write in two languages? Yes. Which ones are they? Obviously English. What's the other one? Um, Dutch. Yeah. Gosh, so you speak two languages and you're six years old. OK, well, listen, I know that while I was talking to Sherry, you were reading your book. So you really are a, a very keen reader. So good for you. Long may it continue. And I hope you get to read all the stories that you want to. But I'm going to say bye-bye now. Bye-bye. <laughs> and Sherry, what have you learned from children, from the young readers in this initiative? First of all, we've been really inspired by the reaction that we've had from around the world to the idea of the book club. 
uh, from, from young readers around the world in many different languages, and they really run with it. So we give them the framework, we give them the idea, and it's been wonderful to see them creating their own stories, using the books as a way to learn new languages, creating bilingual storybooks. You children are just so creative and energetic, and they've brought all of that with them to the Sustainable Development Goal Book Club. And that's what we wanted, right? We wanted people to appropriate the club for themselves and, and take it further and share it with people in their communities. Thanks to Sherry Aldis and of course, Leo Rolf and Mum Rachel for taking time out of reading his favorite book to talk to us on the show. Leo, you are our youngest and our most fearless guest speaker yet. I hope it was as fun for you as it was for me, and thank you for teaching me about octopuses. Listeners, if you'd like more details about the SDG Book Club, perhaps for your family or your school, you'll find masses of info online with reading lists adapted to different countries and cultures. Now to wrap up the show, I've got regular guest Solange Berhadega-Cortez with me now. Over to you, Sol. Gracias, Daniel. That was a breath of fresh air from the bombardment of bad news from Ukraine this past month. As Sherry said, the SDG Sustainability Book Club is inspiring. Every child who reads is a potential writer. They can become scientists, environmentalists, storytellers, or whatever they aspire to be. It's a matter of placing the right book in front of a child, and they will engage. Leo said he loves learning about octopuses. Daniel. Do you know why does an octopus have eight arms? Each one has rows of suckers and taste buds to help it pick up and taste food. Its arms are full of brain cells, so each arm has a mind of its own. It is tentacle, isn't it? I learned this from one of Leo's favorite books, The Big Book of the Blue, which is big, blue and all about the wonderful creatures that live in the ocean. Do you know that Yuval Zomer, the author of the big book of the blue, likes the work of the poet and artist Kalef Brown? He wrote a poem called Birthday Lights and it goes like this. Light bulbs on a birthday cake. What a difference that would make. Plug it in and make a wish. Then relax and flip a switch. No more smoke or waxy mess to bother any birthday guests. But Grandpa says, it's not the same. Where's the magic? Where's the flame? To get your wish without a doubt, you need to blow some candles out. Let's make a wish together. That all children can live and dream like children. May all children be children. Go to school, play. Let's wish that children don't flee their country because of war or climate change. That they read hundreds of books, big, blue, and amazing books about octopuses. Interesting books. Interesting books. I like it, Solange. Leo knows all about Octopus Inc. He's the new squid on the block. Get it? Thanks all for listening to the show. We'll be back next week with a hard-hitting report, this time on gender-based violence linked to forced migration. Sadly, very relevant 
in light of the exodus from the Ukraine war. That's it from me then. Bye-bye for now. Thank you.